This is The Saucer Life, a podcast in which we examine concepts, events, or people orbiting the world of flying saucers. Few preconceptions, snark when justified, no belief, no debunking. And in this episode today, we're going to be um, sort of rejoining our, our sort of sub-series, a very popular sub-series, uh, The Zine Scene, with another issue, the third issue of the, the classic, definitive, uh, long-running UFO magazine entitled UFO Magazine, or at this point in its not-yet-long history, California UFO History. Now, if you've heard our previous two California UFO magazine zine scene installments, uh, you know this. But if if this is the first one of those you've uh, you, you've you've heard, don't worry. You don't have to stop it and go back to listen to the first two. I'll give you a bit of a rundown. So um, back in the eighty six, eighty seven or so, uh, Vicky Cooper. And Sherry Stark embarked on an endeavor called California UFO Magazine. And although the title said California, the content of the magazine was very much global in its approach. I, I suspect the California in it was, um, was more of an indicator of where they were mostly selling the issues, what their target market was. But soon this would I don't know, graduate to be just UFO magazine and be a the 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 newsstand UFO magazine for a couple decades to come. The first published bit of UFO writing I ever did was a book review uh, for UFO magazine back in ooh, 2004. Four, I think it was. So um, it, it's it's a classic, and yeah, yeah. Fate is out there. Fate, fate was out there for a long time, much longer than UFO magazine was. But fate, you know, it was it was a smorgasbord of weirdness, right? UFO magazine was also a smorgasbord of weirdness, but it tended to be focused on UFOs. Now. At this point in its history, and we're kind of getting out of this period now, but up to this point, the, the great thing about UFO Magazine was that it took a, um, I don't know if this is the best word for it, but uh, it's the word I've decided on. It took a very ecumenical approach to the UFO field. This was not... Uh, this was not your high church nuts and bolts flying saucers. This was not your low church revival tent, new age channeling stuff. This was the proverbial big tent in which all explanations, all narratives of, of UFO contact were discussed on a fairly uh, a fairly level basis, which, of course, as we'll still see in the, the letters to the editor in this issue is confounding and irritating uh, some people who believe that that this approach was was not correct. Now, it's going to leave that approach at some point in the future. By the time you get to the UFO magazine of the mid to late 90s, 
um, the new age uh, channeling contactee style stuff that has decreased significantly. But at this point in uh, let's see, which which issue are we on? Okay, this is volume two, number two. And it comes out in 1987. Do we have any sort of um, time within 1987? I don't think we do. But um, you hear my. Hopefully, you don't hear my my mouse wheel scrolling. But the numbering is is interesting. This is volume two, number two. Um, but it is the third issue, and that's verified by. Vicki Cooper in her editorial. So just so you're keeping track at home, because this was really confusing to me until I saw that she actually verified this is our third issue or something like that. Number one was volume two. Number one, that was the first issue of California UFO magazine. The second issue was volume two. Number one, the third issue, which we're looking at today is volume two. Number two. But it's really number three as a sort of whole number of the um, of the uh, of the publication. Um, it, it, it's a little confusing, but uh, but in the end, you don't really need to know, right? It's uh, it's it's just one of those things. So as far as this dichotomy between between sort of the nuts and bolts UFO crowd and the more new agey crowd that was focused on channeling and and things like that, this issue is. Um, the, the cover might be the most uh, the most 1987 thing. Uh, the sort of pink and teal colors uh, at this point, um, sort of production wise, the covers are all two color, um, which is uh, which is affordable. It, it gets you a splash of color, but it's not you know. Um, I forget the actual print. It's been a long time since I worked in, in preprint publishing or in publishing in any way. But um, yeah, and, and the, uh, the cover story, the big cover story, you've got sort of a teal ocean with a sort of cutout photograph of a dolphin leaping out of it. And the, the, the headline story on the cover is Understanding Dolphins, Higher Intelligences Here on Earth. The colors could not be more 1987 the topic could not be more that new age store in the mall that you think will have lots of cool ufo books but really just has books about dolphins um <laughs> ask me how i know there's a store at my mall in my hometown where um, or close to my hometown that uh it always was like two degrees away from being something I would pay money for, but it was never quite there. So anyway, that's where we are sort of within the context of, of UFO magazine. So let's dive in. Okay. Speaking of the cover, we've got the, the major headline, uh, understanding dolphins, higher intelligences here on earth. Okay. We have tracking Sasquatch, and we have Alaska sighting update, and Q&A, futurist Barbara Marks Hubbard. So out of four headlines on the magazine, 
Uh, we've got one that is explicitly UFO themed. Now, this is, to, to use the cliche, uh, a feature, not a bug. I like this. This is, uh, this is a bit, uh, a, a bit broader, uh, but kind of, kind of infringing on, on, uh, on Fate Magazine territory a bit. So as is traditional, uh, we have, uh, first of all, an ad on the first page or inside the front cover for Quest, the Journal of UFO Investigation. It claims to be Britain's leading UFO publication. Flying Saucer Review would like a word. And it's produced by the Yorkshire UFO Society, one of the largest independent civilian research groups in Western Europe. A lot of, uh, a lot of caveats in that, uh, in that, uh, in that, in that clause there. Um, and their, their aims of the society and of their magazine quest are to quote, provide sufficient evidence to negate claims that UFOs are nothing more than misidentifications of natural airborne phenomenon or psychological manifestations. End quote. That is, that that is a, a a sort of we're going to debunk the debunkers rather than just sort of present information to determine what things are regardless of the outcome. I would think a a good solid scientific investigation of anything would be to come to a consensus, an evidence based consensus among experts about what something is. Or is not, but um, we're we're actually we're, sufficient evidence to negate claims that UFOs are nothing more than. It's just oddly phrased in in my opinion. The ad goes on to claim that over the last few years, there's been hard evidence, physical evidence, photographic evidence, and incredible documents acquired from government agencies. Uh, all of this leaves, in, in their words, little doubt that UFOs are a subject that deserves full scientific investigation, which kind of negates their claim earlier that their goal is to find evidence that negates claims that UFOs are misidentifications or psychological manifestations. Some of those determinations have been made as a result of full scientific investigation. Um, so they're, they're sort of telling on themselves about what they want is scientific investigation that comes to the conclusions they think the scientists should, should you know, come to. The ad then, um, then sort of builds to a, uh, a, a finale of, um, of, 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 kind of self-aggrandizing self-importance. Quest provides such evidence in its 50 pages per issue, offering the best research available from its membership and from around the world. Quest pulls no punches despite outside pressure, and no other magazine in the world contains as many photographs, maps, and diagrams as Quest. Despite outside pressure, I love it. You, you, you can't be credible in the UFO field if somebody isn't trying to shut you down. So then we uh, we get to the table of contents: um, the Alaska sighting, Mark Barbara Marks Hubbard, 
Dolphins, Sasquatch uh, were all mentioned on the cover, but there's also a feature on Filmic Aliens, 1986. Filmic alien. I don't think that's the right word. Aliens on film would have worked better. But uh, can you imagine, it says, a lame duck in the cosmos or a mere woman taking on the monster of the universe? Hollywood can and did. So a rundown of alien movies from 1986, at least one of which is actually uh, highly recommended by our office here at Flying Saucer, one Flying Saucer place. So we then have um, Vicki Cooper's traditional editorial, and um, it's really good because it indicates the way that the magazine and and their approach to the magazine was um, was changing almost with with every issue. With our third venture into the magazine format, we find our overall take on the scene changing somewhat, partly because of our editorial commitment to cover all sides of an elusive subject, one which seems to change form faster than any attempts to categorize or define it. In this issue, we are expanding our original approach to incorporate ideas from other areas of inquiry, with interviews with futurist Barbara Marks Hubbard, dolphin researchers, and Sasquatch experts. Such a stance can provide the beginnings of a meaningful synthesis, as well as stimulate a wider variety of input from our contributors and readers. Cooper goes on to explain that that she's aware of the criticism in the UFO community from some camps in ufology, she says, because they are so open-ended in their coverage, thinking that uh, that maybe, you know, you uh, you girls would be better off sticking to, you know, our opinion about flying saucers. But she she points out that um, that their coverage, their balanced coverage between nuts and bolts stuff and the what she calls the spiritual, psychic, transformational issues that represent the contactee side of the equation have gained support as well from uh, from readers. So it's it's a mixed bag. And she says that uh, California UFO magazine, quote, delights in entertaining. And we would give up the whole idea of doing this magazine if entertaining couldn't be one of our objectives, end quote. And that is, I cannot, uh, I cannot argue with that at all. And she closes with, uh, with, with sort of a, I don't want to call it a mission statement, but um, it, it sort of leans in that direction. California UFOs only bias, if you will, is that we choose to put a transformational philosophy at the forefront of the many approaches we are seeking to illuminate. It is our personal belief that this spiritual holistic thrust, as opposed to more limited material approaches, will serve the imminent paradigm shift that could potentially heal our world, as well as potentially heal the pernicious elements that steadily drain credibility from UFOs. I, I'm not sure. I was going to say I like that, but I'm not sure I do because it's it's maybe a little too much in the uh, we can heal the world with this, which I don't think we can. But she makes a good point about um, about that approach and a more holistic approach being um, being relevant. And there is a line here that I want to I want to give you a, a quotation from Cooper here that makes 
a lot of sense and makes sense even today. She says, quote, There was a time when a straight analytical approach was seen as sufficient. But in the 40 years since Kenneth Arnold's landmark sighting, that approach hasn't managed to diminish the U in UFOs, end quote. And I think that is, is dead on. I don't think anybody, well, yes, people could argue it. I don't, I can't see making a good faith argument against that because look at, and we're going to do an episode on this, um, maybe the next one. I keep, I keep putting it off, but uh, recently there's, there was a bit of hullabaloo in historical UFO circles about um, a, a lot of APRO case files getting a new home at uh, a, a, a fella who, who runs a nonprofit that collects UFO materials, uh, sort of, sort of a, a amateur archive sort of thing. So here's the thing. We've got filing cabinets and filing cabinets and now hard drives and hard drives and hard drives full of um, reports from the dawn of the UFO movement, uh, actually before the dawn of the UFO movement, the, uh, the APRO microfilms uh, that are now available online, they, uh, they start off with an historical overview of UFOs going back to going back thousands of years. Um, and we still don't know. We still don't know. People still have opinions that it's alien spacecraft or interdimensional, interdimensional manifestations or nothing at all that needs to be worried about. The rational analytical approach that, uh, you know, she, she mentions here, maybe, maybe, and this is my opinion, maybe not Vicki Cooper's, but maybe a rational, straight analytical approach isn't very useful when dealing with a non-rational um, topic that defies normal attempts at human logic and reasoning. I, I don't know, maybe, but I love that she is sort of pointing out that, you know, the approach that you've been doing since 1947 hasn't exactly solved the problem. So what's wrong with talking to the people who think we can talk to dolphins and get, you know, good knowledge from them? So it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a fair thing. It's, a, it's an honest, uh, it's an honest approach, and it's a good explanation of why they approach the things the way they do. And, um, and, and then, you know, you, you've, you've got letters to the editor that, that sort of take the opposite view and, and do so in a, uh, in a kind of, I think, condescending way, such as this letter from Paul Cerny of uh, the MUFON Southwest region in Mountain View, California. Editor. In regard to your request for input from our organization, I'm sorry, but there just isn't any interest from our group in the contact E-type material, which seems to be most of the contents of your publication. Our people are scientifically and factually oriented. I think if you would turn it around and exclude all the contact D material, your mag might sell. I spent some time going through my kook files, which are extensive, to send you a few items of interest. Actually, only the tip of the iceberg. I hope you'll take the time to browse through them as I feel you might become considerably enlightened to the purpose and fraudulent intent of these individuals on the gullible and unsuspecting public. 
You may not realize these intentions when publishing articles and addresses of these people so they can sell their garbage to the unsuspecting, mostly pensioners and social security recipients. I think you should give serious consideration and refuse to print material that would help these fraudulent persons bilk the public out of their money. It would be pleasing to see you publish a factual and interesting UFO magazine. It might be that we could help supply you with articles and citing reports from our files of facts and even first-hand accounts as we get them through our diligent research and field investigations. However, we refuse to have them in print alongside unfounded contactee garbage. The condescending and and self-righteous tone just drips off the page. And I don't know, I, I might be I might be off base here, but I I kinda wonder if he would have written this in the same tone if the editor of UFO magazine was a man. I don't know. Um I'm not saying that there's any sort of, you know, overtly sort of conscious misogyny here, but gosh, I mean, you may not realize these intentions when publishing your silly little articles from kooks, but we've got a bunch of facts out here in Mountain View, California, and we'd, uh, we'd share them with you, but we don't want to taint our facts with your gullible contacty nonsense. I don't know. This guy, uh, this guy sounds, uh, this doesn't sound like a guy I'd like to, um, hang out with. Uh, elsewhere in the letters to the editor, um, there are, uh, there are, uh, other sort of, um, indicators that, that some people like the, uh, the direction, uh, they, they like the, uh, one, one, uh, one writer says, um, I find the two issues of California UFO to be excellently produced, highly professional and this is key, a useful barometer of the state of the UFO movement across America, um, which is I, I agree. But they, they also sort of go on that, that, you know, having Billy Meyer photographs in the magazine undermines their um, their credibility a little bit. Um, and I, I just I don't know, looking at this 40, almost 40 years later, looking at this with half a lifetime of really sort of paying attention to the UFO field um, in my brain. I, I just, I find it a little funny when people sort of think that there's a credible way to go around, go about looking at the, the flying saucer thing, uh, the UFO thing. I, I think there are, there are ways that are sort of serious and, and stern faced and, and sort of puritanical. And I think there's absolutely, um, you know, goofy, fun, you know, leave your reason at the door approaches. And I think that both of those can be uh, absolutely, uh, absolutely wonderful. Um, my, my favorite, uh, my favorite letter is, uh, is about the, uh, the UFOs in rock and roll music article in the previous issue. Uh, quote, editor, I think it was an oversight to have failed to include, hey, Mr. Spaceman, by the birds. And then they uh, they share the lyrics to "Hey, Mr. Spaceman" by the Birds. I love that because when writing anything, when producing a podcast, when when doing anything in in, in public, 
no matter what you do, invariably there is a response from somebody. It's like, you know, I, I find it curious that you you weren't aware of this. It's like, well, one, sometimes I'm not aware of everything. And two, sometimes I am aware of everything. And there just isn't space to include everything. But thank you for pointing out that that you apparently know more than the person who's actually been out there doing the magazine or whatever. Um there is uh, there. Here's a letter um, from uh, from a a guy named uh, named uh, Ray Keller. Now I don't know if this is Cosmic Ray Keller. Um, he signs off as a staff sergeant um, for the in the U.S. Army at Fort Devens, Massachusetts. Uh, Cosmic Ray, I know sometimes you listen if you're out there. Was this you? Did you write this letter? Were you in 1987 a staff sergeant in the U.S. Army? I. Uh, I'm not sure if you were, but if you were, this might have been your letter, Ray Keller. Editor, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Please go on publishing your open-minded and totally objective magazine. The so-called nuts and bolts ufologists, the MUFONauts, as it were, can continue to haggle over lights in the sky in their own established forums. We already know that the UFOs are extraterrestrials and emanating from civilizations that are thousands, even millions, and perhaps billions of years in advance of our own. Our greatest scientists, when confronted with a phenomenon they can't explain, simply comfort their own egos by blaming it on swamp gas or delusions. In reality, ET science can only appear as magic in our frames of reference. Jesus put it best when he said, Blessed are they which believe, yet have not seen. UFOs, as they manifest themselves to the inhabitants of Earth, are the evidence of a far greater and spiritual force at work in the Omniverse. In order to experience the UFO phenomenon, we must first step out in faith. In my own humble estimation, each person must carry out a personal UFO quest. The answers, like the Kingdom of God, can only be found from within. Keep on covering the contactee enigma. After all, contact with the UFO operators is the whole impetus behind the UFO movement. You're right on track, and I'm with you all the way. Ray Keller, Staff Sergeant, U.S. Army, Fort Devens, Massachusetts. Now, I acknowledge that the purpose of something like a magazine that you print up and sell on the newsstand and sell advertising for, you know, this is a going concern. This is, you know, the you need to be profitable to make a living at it and keep going. But apart from that, you know, sort of prosaic uh, you know, goal, I, I think the goal of any sort of media publication is, is also to a degree to create engagement, to, to stimulate people enough that they have strong feelings about their reading, what they're reading or watching or listening to. And um, for, for those in the letters to the editor page who say, hey, you need to you need to straighten this up and, and you know, use our MUFON files. Um, why would you do something that would automatically alienate a good chunk of your audience on either direction? You, you don't want to make it all crystals and dolphins, but you don't want to make it all. We have many pages of FOIA documents that indicate that perhaps General Twining was a reptile. You know, I don't know. Um, you, you get this tension between the two approaches and you see it on the editorial page, you, you the letters page, you see it in Vicki Cooper's 
editorials. Uh, you see it mentioned in some of the articles. There's a tension there. Uh, there's a tension that drives engagement. And that's kind of more of a 21st century social media way of thinking about it, perhaps. But, um, you know, you, you pick up you pick up the magazine to see what they're doing this month, even if you don't like all of it. Maybe especially if you don't like all of it. I mean, sort of reading something to get all head up about it. That's that's a thing people do. I mean, that's a thing I do. One more letter to the editor uh, before we take a break. And you might recognize the author of this one. Editor. Thank you for sending your fine magazine, but your point of view is very restricted. Try presenting some of the many, many facets of this bewildering and fascinating subject. I wish you every success with this project. If there is any way I can help you here in the Big Apple, don't hesitate to ask. John A. Keel, New York, New York. The editor responds uh, basically, hey, hey, John, that's great. Thank you. Why don't you contribute something? And then notes that John Keel is, quote, a well-regarded UFO researcher and author, end quote. For those who um, that uh, that might not be aware of who he is. And I, I do think that that Keel's, uh, yeah, he, he, kind of a, a narrow approach um, comment is is kind of Kind of sarcastic. Okay, gosh, we're uh, we're a half hour in, and we have uh, we've we've done the editorials and the letters and an ad. Um, so uh, let's take a break, and then we'll come back with uh, with some of the main event topics here in UFO Magazine. Okay, if you like The Saucer Life and you want more, you can support us in exchange for some bonus content. Uh, Patreons get the uh, Patreons, patrons rather, uh, who subscribe to the Patreon, uh, get the episodes before everybody else. Basically, as soon as they're done, uh, they go out to the patrons um, so that you get them before everybody else. There's various kinds of bonus content uh, every month. This uh, this month, uh, this last month in, in uh our last bonus episode, we um, I looked through uh, some 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 choice bits from a book called My Fated Life by Sherry Hinkle, who was one of the people responsible for um, getting the, uh, the the mythos of the Dulcie base out there. And uh, she she's she's uh, she's an interesting writer. So some fun stuff, some some stuff where, where there's a little more snark than on the regular podcast, perhaps, but um, all kinds of stuff. Every month, if you're interested, you can check that out at patreon.com slash cheesomedia or via the link in the show notes. Uh, you can check out past episodes of the show at saucerlife.com or your favorite podcast app. Um, I do note that Apple Podcasts is going to be launching a transcription feature um, in the coming months. I am excited to see what their AI transcription service does to some of the stuff in this podcast. I, I envision people who um, use rely on transcripts either by, uh, by choice or necessity being very confused at the interpretations of, of alien names and things like that. Uh, we're on X and Instagram at Saucer Life on, on Instagram, 
way more than X. Uh, X is a hellhole, but uh, you maintain a presence there, you know, just for announcements and things like that. You can email us at thesaucerlife at gmail.com or contact us by post at Chizo Media, P.O. Box 68, Grand Blanc, Michigan, 48480. Uh, we've got some... Um, some combat, co- combat, I don't know, <laughs> uh, combat, uh, I started to say feedback and then I started, I started to say comments, I started to say feedback and it came out combat, uh, from our episode about Carl Higdon last time. Um, EK at the, uh, the, uh, the Saucer Life website comments, maybe also one was actually something like Azawan or some other similar name that he misheard just a thought. Yeah, it's uh, it's difficult with um with the names for for planets or or people that contactees uh come up with because they are sort of taking something that they're hearing and trying to spell it out in in letters and sounds and and things that make sense. Um and uh, unless they see actually see the names and things written down, which I don't think is very common at all so yeah um it, it and and different newspapers spelled it differently um so i i would like to hear him pronounce it i think that would be interesting over on the patreon ryan says uh great episode an idea that jumped out at me when i watched the in search of episode a few years back is that the event resembles a stroke I'm surprised I've never seen anyone mention this. The episode out in the woods by himself, followed by the cognitive impairment, sounds like a stroke to me. Potentially, the abduction story delivered through hypnosis helped to deal with this troubling cognitive event and its resultant blank spot in his memory. Just a thought. Yeah, I like that. I um, I like the idea, not that I like the, I don't like the idea that this poor guy had a stroke out in the woods and has no recollection of what actually happened and had to reconstruct it with you know, Leo Sprinkle hypnotizing. I don't like that, but I like the thought process behind let's look at neurological events that can have memory loss associated with them and, and things like that. Yeah. I, I think that's a good, a good thing to keep in mind. Uh, Vincent Trewell. I was just on Vincent's, um, podcast, the, uh, the weird part a few weeks ago. So check that out if you uh, if you can. Vincent says, great episode. Carl Higdon is officially now my favorite abductee. He seemed genuinely traumatized and reacted like a person to whom something like this actually happened. It wasn't a good career move. It was an overwhelming experience. Whatever objectively occurred, I have no idea. That left him a short-term wreck and long-term made him question his sanity. Yeah, it, it's, it's, you know, you, you got to look at you know, the, the old like, well, how do they benefit from telling this story? A lot of people don't. Uh, the The number of people who tell strange stories about bizarre things that happened to them, you know, if they write a book, it's sold to, you know, eight folks in a, in a goldfish or something. It, 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 you're not – very few people are making big money out of this. And most of the people in this field making big money are not the ones who've had strange experiences that have that have impacted their life in a ne- I'm sorry, I used impact as a verb and I I try not to do that. Um people who who's have have had these events which have had a negative impact on their life. Um those aren't the ones usually making 
the most money. So yeah, I, I'm always uh, a little less cynical about uh, about stories like Carl's, where where there's no there's no upside to him telling this story. Thanks for your for the feedback. Um, it's always great to hear what people are thinking about uh, about these episodes and and as always you can uh, you can get back to us about those things uh, once you've listened uh, and now let's get back to UFO magazine number three next we get into the story about a, a sighting near Alaska by a pilot who was flying a Boeing 747 cargo jet for JAL, uh, Japan Airlines. These sightings were made by a pilot with 29 years experience who had had previous UFO sightings uh, in Japan and in the air as well. Um, There are radar returns, but these are seen to be um, sort of not – indicative of anything that anybody wouldn't normally uh, normally see. Um, and, and the article explains that, um, that the, uh, the traffic that the pilot saw, the UFO the pilot saw, behaved, quote, all too true to form, apparently eluding precise confirmation by state-of-the-art radar used simultaneously by the Federal Aviation Administration and the U.S. Air Force at Elmendorf Air Force Base in Fairbanks, end quote. Uh, we also get a quotation from Stan Friedman, um, who points out that uh, air defense data from the Elmendorf uh, radar returns are, quote, born classified. And he adds, quote, they, meaning the air defense at Elmendorf, have shilly-shallied about UFOs in the past, end quote. Well, the shilly-shallying, this shilly-shallying shall not stand. Unfortunately, there's no confirmation. There's no smoking gun. There's no disclosure. Um, So the sightings, the sightings continue. And UFO groups will continue to promote whatever agenda they have, as we will see now, as a new UFO group or a UFO group in New York is holding its first big event. This is the New York Center for UFO Research. And their, um, one of their representatives, a guy named Michael Luckman, had appeared earlier that year debating arch skeptic, that's how he's described in the magazine, Philip Class, on a local program in New York City called Midday with Bill Looks like Bill Boggs. The uh, the set looks like kind of a Donahue set with everybody sitting there on a stage. And in the foreground are replicas of sort of aliens. Um, so a mixture of serious conversation and look at the goofy alien head and things like that. Uh, but the um, the topics, the, uh, the, the, the conference that will be held June 21st, 1987 in New York City, it sounds like something that would be kind of fun to go to, maybe. Current UFO topics to be addressed include the U.S. Air Force's alleged possession of alien corpses, the increasing number of humans abducted by aliens, plus authentic UFO photos and film footage. 
Experts will reveal the latest information gathered from the government's own top-secret UFO reports, released through the Freedom of Information Act. Other topics include the Star Wars flying saucer connection and the prominent UFO sighting in Alaska by a Japan Airlines pilot. Cattle mutilations and several significant UFO cases will also be addressed, such as a UFO landing in Bentwaters, England, and its possible connection to the super-secret stealth bomber. What I really want to know is when they talk about the Star Wars flying saucer connection, are they talking about the Star Wars series of movies or are they talking about the strategic defense initiative? I have a feeling it's 1986. It's a couple years after the most recent Star Wars movie had been in theaters. Uh, I'm thinking they mean strategic defense initiative and the idea of orbital weapons platforms vis-a-vis flying saucers and things things like that so this conference is um like they say uh, like other events around the country is going to mark the 40th anniversary of kenneth arnold's sighting and what's great about this is it's 1987 40th anniversary of kenneth arnold's sighting there's an article sort of commemorating it in the magazine these events are going to um mark the 40th anniversary and it's the 40th anniversary of ken Arnold's saucer sighting. It's not the 40th anniversary of the Roswell crash. We are still in an era where the Roswell crash isn't seen as the the be-all end-all of starting guns for the UFO um, for the UFO phenomenon. And it's it's kind of nice. We've got a nice 10 years before the 1997 50th anniversary of Roswell extravaganza. Actually, that's a good idea for an episode, actually, as I continue to not do an episode about Roswell itself. An episode about the 50th anniversary year of Roswell might be might be fun. There's also going to be a national UFO conference in California. Um, Vicki Cooper and Sherry Stark of California UFO Magazine are going to be there. Uh, Bill Moore is going to be there. Uh, Stan Friedman's going to be there. Uh, Stan Friedman was at everything. If Stan Friedman wasn't at your UFO conference in the 80s and 90s, you need to check whether or not you are at a legitimate UFO conference. Uh, and, and again, another event to celebrate or commemorate uh, the anniversary of Kenneth Arnold's sighting um, is, uh, is, is contained under the headline, UFO Group Calls for Worldwide Watch. To actively commemorate the anniversary of Kenneth Arnold's sighting, New Age Foundation Incorporated is urging space-oriented groups and individuals to pay closer-than-usual attention to the skies from June 21st to June 28th. The Worldwide Watch kicks off Journey into the New Dawn, a weekend convention to be held June 27th and 28th at Pierce College in Tacoma, Washington. This is a cooperative plan which has brought results in the past, says Wayne Aho, founder of New Age Foundation and former Army intelligence officer who's had his own close encounters. The site of this year's convention affords a good view of Mount Rainier, where Arnold spotted nine silver discs in June of 1947. A number of speakers will appear at Journey into the New Dawn to relate their ideas and experiences offering UFOs and other metaphysical topics. The event costs $25 per day and includes meals. Adjacent to the college is space for campers and trailers. 
nice to see Wayne Aho still up to uh, up to stuff in the 1980s. We did an episode on Wayne Aho back in uh, Googling here. Um, oh, wow. July of 2020, which is, gosh, that's a long time. I've been doing this show for ever haven't i so um yeah wayne aho still uh still doing stuff there in 1987 uh, other interesting things in um in this magazine and it's uh it is it is interesting and there are some big stories like the dolphin cover story and what's interesting about the dolphin cover story is that it's not necessarily entirely UFO related. It's it's tangentially UFO related. The focus is on how humans and a non-human intelligence can communicate despite significant differences, not just uh, sort of biological differences, but also differences of environment. And it's um, it's interesting. It's sort of a, a like I said, sort of a tangential approach to the larger question or or the similar but different question of how humans and uh, alien beings, extraterrestrial beings might might communicate. But I, I think in some ways that that sort of approach, you know, can humans humans can talk to dolphins in a, in a limited way and vice versa. Uh, why wouldn't we be able to to talk to uh, to talk to extraterrestrials? Um, I, I think it um, overlooks the fact that you know, despite our significant differences from cetaceans, uh, human beings and cetaceans are, are both sort of beings that evolved here on this planet. Um, and so there are there, there might not seem to be similarities on the surface, but, you know, I, I, I sort of go back to this thing that I always sort of think of, which is, you know, alien life might be so alien that we don't recognize it as life at all. Um, it's certainly not going to be most likely, you know, you know, four limbs and a head. So um, I, I like the dolphin stuff. I think it's interesting. I, um, I do not believe from reading it that they made any mention or references to uh, the, uh, the fourth book in uh, Douglas Adams's Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy trilogy, So Long and Thanks for All the Fish, which sort of features dolphins leaving the planet en masse um, because the dolphins are aliens, right? Kind of like the white mice. So um, they, they don't make that uh, connection uh, unless I, uh, I missed it, which is entirely possible. So um, it, it's an interesting story, but uh, it, it's it's a little prosaic a bit. And same thing with the uh, the overview of Sasquatch. It's 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 largely uh the article is titled a Sasquatch reader and it really is very much a um Sasquatch 101 kind of article about uh Sasquatch stories and and some overlap with the UFO uh, the UFO topic. They're good articles. They're they're good things to cover, but it really does feel like they are reaching the breaking point of trying to broaden, uh, trying to broaden their view. And uh, although I'm not familiar with the issue that comes next, I haven't looked at it yet. I, I try to keep the spoilers away before I actually use the magazine on an episode. I'm wondering at what point the rubber band begins to snap back into a more 
UFO shape. So we also have these little bits of of things that look like um, articles, but are kind of uh, they're, they're they're kind of a uh, they're not really an article today. We would call them an advertorial. I'm not sure when the word advertorial emerged, but um, they had it in 1987. Building pyramids on the same scale as those in Egypt and constructing highly advanced spacecraft are some of the objectives slated by the new Aquarius star community in Mount Baldy, California. April 25th will mark the inauguration of their true Aquarian community, where people will gather to work toward building the new age, says one of its founders, Ra Ja of Aquarian Perspectives. The group is leasing the Snowcrest Lodge for their center and will set about building pyramids, healing centers for meditation, a landing site, and spacecraft using Nikola Tesla's anti-gravity technology. Using solar-tronic energy, we can bypass the dense Earth-based Hertzian energy of an object and change the molecular structure of the atoms, reducing the gravity of the object, so that we can teleport it with another particle beam generator and place it where we want to move it to, says Raja. This is the same technology used by avatars and Christ, he says, and the same technology ET civilizations taught Earthlings to create the pyramids in Egypt, Atlantis, the Yucatan, Peru, and Cambodia. Raja believes Tesla was himself a Venusian who worked extensively with this energy and developed a type of protective dome capable of stopping the energy of a nuclear bomb. The Aquarian star community plans to use this protective dome to shield their construction efforts, he says. The Ra star intelligences and Venusians, says Raja, are here on Earth now, and the Aquarian star community is their Earth base. They're bringing back this knowledge to us to help us bring more knowledge to us, to help us bring more love and peace into the world, and to help us realize more about the kingdom of God. This energy can allow us to transcend time, space, and matter. The ETs can project their consciousnesses, their astral as well as physical forms, to visit other worlds, just like the spaceships that can come from one world to another. All these things so many of us have been talking about and dreaming about are starting to happen. The public is invited to attend the community's inauguration, which will include a vegetarian meal for a $33 donation. For more information, call Raja or Moy Ra at 714-880-1681 or Fritz or Sharon at 714-983-8902. That was that was a little long. I'm sorry about that, but I, I wanted you to get the full effect of what was uh, what was going on here, and I, I love I love that because I am I am almost certain. I mean, I'm sure there was some financial consideration for um, for including that. Like I said, it did sort of come across as as an advertorial, but I, I'd like to think it was put in there just to irritate the guy who wrote in from MUFON. And uh, just just so you, you know, the cost of that attendance at the inauguration and vegetarian meal in 2024, oh, actually 2023, because um, that's how far we can get, because it's only, anyway, the present day money for that $33, $89.87 for your vegetarian meal. And, um, 
and attendance at the inauguration of the uh, of the center. UFO might just as well stand for unprecedented financial opportunity. A little unfair, perhaps, but uh, but but still. Uh, other news: um, there is a special in production uh, called Trance Channeling, a one-hour TV special. Um, that talks to several channels and the role channeling and UFO contact is played in the lives of these channels. They talk to Phil McAney, um, and uh, who the producer and uh, director, who says that the narrator um, says, quote, the inclusion of actor Telly Savalas as host and narrator will assure world- worldwide distribution. It promises to be a closely watched program from which a 90-minute theatrical film will be released along the guy along the lines of a Chariot of the Gods style documentary. End quote. So they're going to be talking to a lot of channels, including um, a, a couple named April and Stephen White, who claim to be the current channelers of Ashtar Command. It's 1987. I think uh, I think Our Lady Tuella would have a bit to say about that claim to be the uh, the Ashtar, the voice of Ashtar. They're also going to be showing UFO photos from the Billy Meyer collection. So, you know, this is legit. Interestingly, uh, it's also going to include rare audio recordings of uh, the being Seth channeled through Jane Roberts, um, which is uh, which is actually actually pretty interesting. Um, it, McCainy says that once completed, trance channeling will be considered by ABC television. So despite the presence of Telly Savalas and Ashtar Command, uh, this is not a done deal quite yet. Now, I'm not making fun of this at all because you go to IMDb, you look up uh, Phil McAdey and his one thing that he's done, he's the writer and director of the documentary UFOs and Channeling that was released in 1989 with the narrator Telly Savalas. Um, it was an hour-long program. The IMDb page does not have a lot of information about where it might have been uh, wh- where it might have aired. It is on YouTube, um, but it is it looks like a videotape uh, a videotaped version of it because it starts off with the standard uh, videotaped FBI. Uh, FBI warning, but uh, the, uh, the the account that is uh, that is hosting this, um, it's uh, it's been hosting it for a year. Um, it's got 56 views. I don't think this is in any uh, danger of being yanked down by the uh, the YouTube copyright police. I will, um, if I remember, throw a copy of the uh, throw the link in the the show notes. But uh, I haven't watched it yet. But uh, I, uh, I probably uh, I probably should at some point. So what so that's that's good news. I was uh, worried that this is sort of one of these things that never actually materializes, especially that once it's completed, it will be considered by ABC uh, ABC television. Here is another um, another sort of initiative to get the word about UFOs out there by any means necessary. And it involves two things that are really never good, uh, MUFON and lawyers. 
Attorney initiates UFO blitz. Attorney and MUFON consultant Robert H. Bletchman has initiated an intensive ad campaign to get a rational UFO message really out into the public eye, and in conjunction with MUFON, is seeking seed money to get the campaign on its feet. The recent issue of Omni Magazine described Bletchman's efforts in the UFO update department of its recent issue, a targeted mailing to 100,000 people, starting with celebrity UFO proponents, is planned as a first step in their campaign for public awareness, according to Joyce Silverman, account supervisor with Sharnas Incorporated, the advertising agency handling the campaign. We just want to open up the lines of communication on the issue. There's obviously a lot that the government is hiding, and even freedom of information tactics have not produced the necessary results, she says. Both Bletchman and Sharnas are located in Connecticut, but a special campaign fund has been set up at MUFON headquarters in Texas. Contributions can be sent to MUFON, care of Walt Andrus, International Director, 103 Old Town Road, Seguin, Texas, 7815540. Nine nine. Before I get into this, uh, just to get it out of the way, UFO might just as well stand for unprecedented financial opportunity. There we go. So they're they're getting they're getting um, donations to uh, to pay for a massive mailing to a hundred thousand people, uh, starting with celebrity UFO proponents. There is – was the problem with UFO truth in 1987 that not enough people knew that UFOs were a thing? Because a, a, a sort of – oh, this is, this is just – this is just bizarre. Um, but a special campaign fund, a fund. It's not a money grab. It's a fund for a campaign Sure it is. Um, okay, I need to dig into some old MUFON journals or Omni and see if uh, see if this actually bore fruit. But they're they're looking for seed money to get the campaign on its feet. This is um, this is this is wonderful. Also, the advertising exec, um, you know, providing a quote when I, I doubt this poor woman. It, it, Oh gosh, it's like well, as as part of handling our ad campaign, we're going to want you to talk to uh, to UFO magazine, and of course, this is going to be before we've actually raised any money for this. So, I suppose you're probably good with us. Uh, we'll give you some talking points about how the government's covering everything up. Joyce, you good with that? I feel Ms. Silverman. Um, Ms. Silverman doesn't deserve this kind of treatment. Uh, but this is uh, delightful. Delightful. Um, and then even more delightful, sort, sort of like a, MUFON wants to get a rational message out there. Boom. Next page. UFO ideas materialize at the Whole Life Expo. Oh, and uh, the um, they have a picture of some people on stage. The caption is just – Joshua Shapiro, Sandra Bowen, Nick Nosarino, and Master Ho were among the members of the forum on crystals. So, boom. It's, it really is kind of a, a ricochet sort of effect reading one of these early issues of UFO magazine where you, you have Mufad wants to get a rational message out to the public. Next page. Boom. We got a panel on crystals. So it's um, – it's 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 good stuff. But we are at an hour and we are only on page 13 of 
this issue of UFO Magazine. So the next issue, the next episode will be the completion of UFO Magazine. I don't like to do two-part episodes, but I don't want to rush and um, and not give this its due. So we're going to have more UFO Magazine next time because for some reason this issue just has more to talk about or has more things that make me want to talk about it than uh, than usual. So next time what we're going to see in UFO Magazine Part 2 is the Whole Life Expo. Um, Terrence McKenna has an article. Um, somebody says SETI doesn't have to be big radar dishes. You can just, uh, you can just do it on your own. Um, we've got uh, Keith Thompson talking about basically oral history interviews with experiencers as a way to preserve their stories. We've got the interview with Barbara Marks Hubbard. We've got a review of Whitley Strieber's book Communion. So we are getting into the, the, the this is a this is a turning point. This is huge um, as far as uh, as far as the UFO culture goes with with Communion coming out. Um, we've got the firsthand accounts by contactees, and and one of these is. A doozy. Uh, we've got the uh, the messages from channeled people. We've got some cartoons, uh, some editorial cartoons that make no sense to me. Uh, we've got the gossip column, uh, and we've got uh, we've got the movies of UFO movies of 1986. We've got the classifieds. Uh, this this is only a a like 60 page magazine, but this third issue is full of incredible stuff. So we will be continuing that next time because um, I, I just, I don't want to shortchange any of this. And um, I, uh, I I think hour long episodes ish, uh, maybe a little over if necessary, like last time. I, I kind of like that. I, uh, I don't think, I don't think I've hardly ever gone over 90 minutes and an hour is good. An hour is digestible. It's um, if you've got a half hour commute, boom. Uh, you can knock it out on your way to and from work. So um, not being lazy, just uh, sort of you know, engaging in some some time management. And th- th- this stuff was all fun today. Next time, there's more fun stuff, but more heavy-hitting, significant stuff. Um, this This issue has been packed, and we will return to it. Thank you for listening. Remember to send in your questions and comments via the usual social media or email channels, and we'll be addressing those next time. Our associate producer is Simpson J. Hanover III, and The Saucer Life is a production of Chizo Media, LLC. Chizo Media, our heart is with the people. And until next time, keep watching the skies, because the skies are watching you. <laughs>